a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hey, Lou. Hey, girl. This is exciting. Mm, I just have to make sure I don't sound like the nanny. On this episode, I chat to founder, CEO, and creative director of jewellery label Baby Anything, Lucy Ferguson. She also is my baby sister, and this is the first time she publicly shares her journey on becoming a fine jeweller and creating such an iconic brand. Hayley Bieber, Gigi Hadid, Alanis Morissette, and Leanne Rhymes are some of her biggest fans, but I am definitely her number one fangirl. This is the first podcast we've done together. It is exciting. And Yay. we are wearing Christmas colors. So. I know, I don't know how that happened, but I feel like if I was going to do it with somebody, I'm glad it's fabulous. And we love Christmas. <laughs> Growing up with Lucy, she was always making things, performing, or writing stories. Lucy is what you define as a true creative. Passion runs through her veins and Baby Anything is an extension of years and years of hard work. I love that I get to talk to Lou about Baby Anything, growing up on the coast and where she is now. This conversation is unlike any other I've had and I feel so privileged to be able to share Lucy's incredible story. I know mum would be so proud. I am so excited about this episode. I get to interview my baby sister, Lucy Ferguson. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Ooh, thank you so much for having me. We have lived our lives together. Now we get to chat. <laughs> I know, but I feel like it's super exciting because I feel like this is the first time that you and I get to talk on a podcast. And for me, I'm super excited about hearing about your journey because a lot of people don't often get to hear that. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. So I like to start this podcast with a thing called the Fast Five. Yes, I'm familiar. (laughs) And you being my sister know the Fast Five. So I have pulled a random lot of questions out for you. The quicker you answer, the more honest the answer is. Okay, here we go. Strangest thing in your handbag. Metal. I'm actually carrying gold in my handbag right now. So that's pretty strange. Really wouldn't have thought that was going to be the answer. So thank you. Okay, favorite song. Uh, Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Describe yourself in three words. Ooh. Indecisive. <laughs> That'd be one. Um, kind and brave. What was the last item you purchased? Oh, a handbag. And what is one thing you would put on your bucket list? I want to travel to all the countries that I actually want to go to. So I know that seems really broad, but I feel like anything that I have on my list, I want to accomplish. No, I love that about you. Yay. I like that. Okay, so for people that are tuning in that don't necessarily know who you are or what you do, would you be able to just give us a little snapshot of what that is? Sure. So I am a jeweler and I own a business called Baby Anything. I started it by myself and I'm still like the head designer, director, CEO kind of 
all the jazz that goes with the business. So yeah, that's what I do here. We make fine jewelry with diamonds, platinum, gold, keepsake pieces that you're going to have forever and also like a ready-to-wear line of like talismans and medallions that you can just keep with you every day. I have a store in Paddington in Sydney, which is like a beautiful little neighbourhood with all the Australian premier designers. So I have a flagship store there and I, yeah, I've had it, had the business for about, I don't know, maybe 11 years. So that's my business life. (laughs) So I love to start these conversations with where it kind of started. So where you grew up and where your parents would be influenced on you. And I feel super weird asking these questions because I know the answers. But I guess what I would like to hear is how much did growing up influence to where you are now? Well, both you and I grew up in a beachside town on like the east coast of Australia. So that kind of laid back beach attitude and connection to nature is just part of my DNA as it's part of yours, I think, as well. And that real surf skate culture is like a big part of what I identified with growing up. Um, Then we also went to school in Sydney. So I feel like I had a half-half experience. Um, So I got the best of both worlds. You know, I got like big city and I also got that surf home to return to. And I feel like that's been a big part of how I've continued my life. I still make sure I have part city, part beach as a part of my everyday life, if I can. Your title would be fine jeweler, correct? Yeah, I am. I'm trained as a fine jeweler. And right now I am like a business person as well, I suppose, (laughs) like something that I wouldn't have naturally gravitated towards. But I feel like, yeah, that is what I spend my days doing, half jewelry, half business person. I like that. I would love to know how you got interested in the industry because I feel like jeweler isn't necessarily a female-driven business. And then also as a business owner, isn't necessarily a female-driven being in that jewellery world. How did that start? How did you get interested in it? Uh, Well, I guess I didn't even really want to do jewellery from the get-go. So that's a story unto itself. But I ended up as a jeweller um, in a male-dominated industry. I feel like I have something in my personality that switches on that says what you're doing is not enough, let's do more. So instead of just being able to continue my degree and then do my manufacturing certificate after that to become a fully trained jeweller, I was already thinking while I was at university, what pieces can I make that will be commercial to a customer? You know, I was making pieces for my then like boyfriend who was in a band and he wore one on the cover of a magazine. And then my brain just sort of switched to, I want to make this for more people. How can I get this out to people? So even as a student, I was already thinking, okay, I'm going to make this conceptual piece to get high marks at uni, but I also want it to be able to be sold, you know, to people. And then I sort of got the the retail bug or whatever it is, the high of selling your products and seeing them on people. And then I went from there. And how did that, I guess, how did it happen? Like, how did you go from studying to going, I'm going to create a brand. I'm going to have a retail brand. Like, was there a light bulb moment that you thought that it could be commercialized? 
Uh, I don't know. I think it was just part of me. Like as a child, we spent a lot of time like traveling to Sydney and shopping in department stores or independent stores. And so fashion was a huge part of our lives. You know that. So, you know, our mum was really creative and really inspirational. And so anything that we could do, she would let us do. So there was nothing that was off limits. So I just feel like it was a natural progression for me where I was like, okay, I'm at uni, I'm fulfilling everything, I'm getting great marks, I'm like loving the conceptual side of designing these pieces, but, you know, now I want to sell them. Like what's the next step for me? I didn't necessarily see it as a career. Like it's not like I went to the degree thinking like I am going to be a jeweler at the end. The, The fine arts degree itself was skewed towards becoming a conceptual artist at the end. So the whole idea was that you would have exhibitions for your one-off pieces and then you would work on your practice, you know, as a career. But I was already interested in sort of the ready-to-wear side of fashion as well. So I'd almost thought, will I become a fashion designer and will I just do this jewellery as an intro or will I design shoes or interior design? Like it was always something. So when I found that I was actually quite good at, making the conceptual meaning behind the piece, but also making it aesthetically pleasing that people actually wanted to purchase these pieces that I had in exhibitions. I then moved to a place where I was like, well, I want to make 10 of these and I want to sell them. So then I started a blog spot, you know, way back in the day. I had a Baby Anything blog spot um, and I just sold it to people via off the, email. Off the email. Yeah, because were they were just contacting me, asking me, wow, you know, about the ring in that picture because I'd often tell a story behind it. And then I moved quickly to Instagram when I was still at university and I showed a lot of the behind-the-scenes practice that storytelling, I feel like you were, yeah. I feel like knowing you, you were very on the storytelling at the beginning with Instagram and you yeah. saw that platform as a place to storytell, to give your, what you were creating a narrative and you're so good at telling stories. Do you think that played a big part in the beginning of your career? Yeah, I think that's something that sets our brand apart, which I feel like that comes very naturally to me, the words almost flow through me. Um, I don't find that it requires much effort. It's more the actual hands-on making the pieces that is probably the laborious part of this job. Um, But the ideas and the narrative behind the pieces flow easily. So I found it really lovely to be able to put a picture up of what I was making, but also tell a story behind that piece and maybe why the meaning of that piece and that's how I've got such a beautiful community for Baby Anything. Like we actually got a lot of followers in the beginning and we've had organic growth, you know, like I don't pay for any marketing at this point and we've just grown with our customers and the feedback that I get all the time is that our pieces are so special to them because they're imbued with meaning and a story that they can hold on to and that's the power in jewellery is that you can really use it to mark something in your life and to tell a story and you feel comfortable just wearing that. You know, maybe you don't have to tell everybody your story because you're actually wearing the meaning around your neck. So 
Was there a sliding door moment at the beginning of your career that really made you decide to pursue your dream career? I guess my sliding door moment, and because you are my sister and you do do this podcast (laughs) and I've listened to every single podcast, I... Side note, it's so weird interviewing you, but it's so fun. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I was thinking about my sliding door moment and I feel like I've probably got a two-part sliding door moment, um, something that happened uh, outside of my control, which actually did, you know, send me on the path that I'm on now. And then something that I actively engaged with and really like jumped on and that was a big sliding door moment. So... So can you tell us if about you indulge, those? <laughs> can you tell us about Yeah, because I feel like I couldn't get to the next part without the first part. Yeah. So um, I guess I was working for a well-respected design company called Dinosaur Designs in Sydney and I had a great job there and I loved it. Um, our mother then fell ill, so I took on the role of a full-time carer for her. Um, that meant I had to give up where I lived and my job to move home. But because I did that, I found a tiny bit of space in the hours that I wasn't with mum to get back to making jewellery, to support myself financially and to also nourish my personality and creative interests, which is something that you lose when you're um, focused on someone else. Yeah. Um, Which was a privilege. But, yeah, Um, if it wasn't for that decision to give up what my sort of life was at that moment for another person, then I wouldn't have been put back on that path to work for myself because I was just left with my own devices and I had my jewellery bench at home and so I just thought I'm just going to try and make a few heart rings that I had sold in the past just as a little bit extra, you know, like to get some money and to also just feel like a little bit of my self was still there. So just to break it down, you were finished uni yeah. You scored an amazing job at one of Australia's most famous. I mean, dinosaur design is iconic within the Australian fashion industry. So you were on that path and mum fell sick. Yeah. And you put your hand up and said, I'm going to be her full-time carer. So you really had to like pivot, you know what I mean? Stop yeah. that way the train was going and change it. Yep. But you were saying that you found time to still create while yeah. you were caring. Yeah, well, I was on, you know, I was like early 20s or early to mid-20s. I was on like a, the trajectory where I was really happy at that other company and I'm like a working bee as well. You know, like we we will give 110% to whatever we're doing. So if it wasn't for that decision where it was almost like a, a tools down moment. Like it was just like, okay, this is happening. There's no time to think about what this will do to your life path. Um, It's just the most important thing that you need to do now. So leave your apartment, leave Sydney, go back to the beachside suburb and just, you know, be in the, the moment every day of trying to save someone's life. So that really puts everything into perspective. And I feel like I was just on autopilot for a quiet um, some time there and so were you. So then I think something happened to me. I think I cared for mum for about three, four years. Something happened where you kind of lose your identity a bit and I feel like that's when I needed to switch and say like, okay, this is what I need to do to get back to myself. I have my jewellery bench here. Everybody else that I'd studied with, some people had gone forward and done apprenticeships. 
and I was a bit jealous, to be honest. So yeah. I was able to get a little bit of time to actually start the manufacturing course yep. through Enmore Design Centre. And so I went one day a week. You were supposed to do five days, but I pleaded with the teacher and just said, like, I can give you one day a week. I will come and I will work for 12 hours down here. So I drove down to Enmore every day, was so grateful to be back on the bench and have the ability to just learn. And I just sort of was able to step out for that day because you would step in on that day. So it allowed me one day off to sort of just get back to myself. And I think it was that rush of passion that I came alive in that day that I had to go back and sit on the bench and actually excel. I then realized that like I was actually good at what I was doing and I had missed it's so much. So then when I was at home, I would do my projects, what was due for the manufacturing course, but also then I would realise that I actually could still make pieces myself to then sell. So that's when I opened my first online store, which was just a big cartel platform, which was the only... <laughs> it feels like so long ago. It feels like 100 years ago. Yeah. And I ran... Yeah, like I navigated like an American shop platform, which wasn't even available to Australians at that time, somehow managed to add GST, somehow managed to <laughs> add the link to my Instagram profile, and then suddenly I had a business. An online store. Yeah, and a lot of it was like smoke and mirrors. You know, like I was literally running the whole thing out of my walk-in wardrobe. That's where I had a shelf where my shoes were, where I put the laptop next to it. <laughs> And I would do all of the posting from there. Yeah, I was then given the opportunity to have a really small market stall. Can we just talk about the market for a <laughs> yeah. minute? Because I think a lot of amazing Australian brands start at market yeah. stalls. Dinosaur Designs. Sassam yeah. Spell. Yeah. And what people don't understand is oh, when, you sell, <laughs> when you sell jewellery at a market stall, oh. it's very interesting. Yeah, it's very risky, guys. I'll just say that because <laughs> I wasn't just selling silver jewellery. I was bringing all of my pieces. But you built a cult. Like you had this cult following where yeah. people were driving from Sydney yeah. to Newcastle, which was two, like it was like a four-hour trip to yeah. come to your market stall to see these amazing pieces and be In part person. of this brand and, and touch it and feel it and try it on and buy these keepsakes for yeah. times in their lives. But I mean, people look at it as like, it's like, oh, it's a market stall. But how long did were you doing the market stalls? It's like a 4 a.m. get up. It's yeah. setting it up. You're on your feet all day. There's no toilet breaks. Like you're on. Yeah, it was definitely like a huge. I also think I jump into things a lot and I have done with the business, like without knowing quite what you're getting into. And also we didn't just do a market stall. Like we went, like I asked for <laughs> your help as well, because we just go for it when we go for it. So we had like, you know, a hundred bottles with flowers in them displayed. Well, it was your I had, brand. Yeah. I mean, your brand identity really stood out and it's it something did. that I yeah. think has come through from the beginning. Yeah. Like even in those market stalls. Yeah, exactly. You yes, knew a baby have, anything. Yeah, exactly. It has a really clear aesthetic baby anything. And I feel like that's because it's derived from me. Like it's my personality. It's kind of like half girly, half tomboy, and that comes across in whatever we do, which is really, it's not effortless, but it's it's nice. When I think of doing a new challenge, I'm like, well, I already know what it's going to look like yeah. because it's just the brand DNA comes through really easily. 
but the markets were really difficult um, but so rewarding. Like I felt like I was then, if I gave myself that one Sunday a month, it was in an arts market at Avoca that we first started, which I was lucky enough it was our mum's friend who gave me a little spot. Apparently there was like the longest waiting list on earth to get into this market, but she literally gave me a metre like space to fit my table in. And then I did that for, I would say, like two years because it allowed me to have face-to-face with the customer. It allowed me to make money too. Like it was, you know, not the easiest period as well for that. So it allowed me creative freedom and allowed me interaction with people. You know, it allowed me a day to also like get dressed up and have to face people. So that was like something nice as well. Um, And then just the community, like the same followers that I have had since the beginning still are with me on Instagram now. And I can't tell you the amount of times that people say to me, oh my gosh, I came and visited you at your like market stall. I bought my first baby anything ring at your market stall. And that's so important to gain trust with like conscious consumers now it's like I've been with them since the start yeah. and they've been with me. So they've, like, it's not a spiel when I say that, you know, it's a one-woman band sometimes. It's like because they saw me, yeah. you know, there, like sizing people's fingers yeah. at a market store and then going away that month and making the size that they needed and coming back and they could pick it up at the end, like at the next market. So I learned a lot from those. Early days. Early days, yeah. yeah. And it also gave me the courage, you know, to be like, when the next step came, which is my other sliding door <laughs> moment, when that came, it sort of got me ready for that, ready for the next jump. So I guess um, the next moment was I decided to open a retail store in Paddington in Sydney, um, which... So you didn't just, for people that don't know Paddington, the yeah. retail space that you were looking at yeah. is in... It's called the intersection. Well, it's the so, best place to yeah. have a store amongst Australia's best designers. Yeah, it is a, a really well curated... So it's called the intersection and it's a really well curated space, yeah, with Australia's most respected designers. So you've got you know, Zimmerman, Basic. So you didn't take a store on the Central Coast. No, you decided no, I to didn't. take your first yes, store. Yes, I really jumped in yeah. in the deepest of deep ends. And I didn't actually instigate that myself. I don't think I would have given myself permission to do that. We'd also gone through a lot that year. We had lost our mum uh, in March. And then I was we lost just, Nan. yeah, we lost our grandma. We actually lost our grandma first and then a month and a half later we lost our mum. So we'd gone through the biggest things you can go through and then I just kept showing up for those market stalls and I kept showing up on Instagram and, you know, still having brand presence because that's sometimes what you do with grief. So then I was contacted by the PR agent for The Intersection, a beautiful woman who's actually, I have to say, changed my life, Sally Alexander. (laughs) She contacted me on Instagram and said, would you be interested in having a store at The Intersection in Paddington? And I was like, is this woman mad? Like, I'm like, I just have a market stall. I have an online business. This is who I am. Like, that seems crazy. But it set the cogs in motion and I managed to negotiate a pop-up store within the intersection. So they'd never done that before, but I, you know, I turned up to the meetings with these big wigs 
from the intersection and said, like, I would love to do this. This would be a dream come true. However, my risk management, you know, aerial went up and I went like, I'm going to go from having a really small edit of pieces that I make to being able to fill a retail store. Like, how is this going to be possible? So I asked for a pop-up store and they granted it for a month and I turned that little empty shop into a baby anything treasure trove. You know, we filled it with fresh flowers, with candles. We really made it a magical space. So you helped me so much with that. It was definitely a family affair. And yeah, I got that opening and staffed it every day for the month. And then... By staff, you mean you and I. (laughs) Yes. Well, look, Elle would visit. I'm not going to say that she gave me the full month, but she was incredible. I did have Oh no! I'm just saying you like you yeah. literally when you say stuff you didn't have stuff oh, sorry, at this yes. point. Like it, really it was, was like you, it, Elle would cover it, my lunch cover. Yeah, it was and you and I. Otherwise, it was just us. Which but after that month, after that month, I actually saw that our baby anything community was as incredible as I could have ever hoped for because people came and they shopped and the confidence that that gave me also you know, being in grief makes you do strange things. I'm going to like put that out there. So I just was going to carry on. And our mum had shopped at the intersection. So we had, funnily enough, we'd never been inside the shop that I decided to take as my shop, which is kind of... We'd been in every other store. We'd been in every other store in that section. So anyway, I was offered a space there and I knew that mum had seen this space you know, her energy had been in that place. So I was comfortable. Yeah. That played a part in it as well, I think, taking that um, ultimate leap. So I decided to sink or swim and I decided to swim, you know, Um, and it was really so hard to open your own store with nothing. I had no shop fitters. I had no like, and anything. huge brands were next to you. I just oh have gosh. to say that. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because- like I was definitely the smallest fish in the pond. Yeah. Um. But you know that has that has been part of who I am as well. You know, like I've gone into things and just had to sink or swim, and I've always swam. Yeah. Um. So it was just another challenge. You know, if you have courage and you just go for it and you do. And you Google how to lay a concrete floor. Like literally, with no word of a lie, I was Googling how to gyp rock, how to lay Tasmanian oak floors. And we had a beautiful friend that was a carpenter who he helped me till 3 a.m. in the morning because I had no money. Like that's it. I built a store with so much heart and soul that people still walk in today and they're like, this store is incredible. It's got such a feeling. And I'm able to say to them with no word of a lie, well, I built this. (laughs) So, you know, there is a lot of blood, sweat and tears in these walls. And it's so nice that it resonates with people. So through this whole journey, you need a support system. So I would love to know who has supported your dream through this journey. So I would say my family, of course, like you, Ellie's like my number one cheerleader. And before that, like everybody needs an L on their team. I'm just (laughs) going to say that because she just gets 
We have another nickname for her, but I'll call her El Get Stuff Done Ferguson because nothing will stop her. And I feel like I have that as well, but I'm a bit more demure with how it comes across, whereas El just gets in and gets gets it done. So, yeah, you're wonderful. Um, but my family, like my mum, my mum is the inspiration behind everything that I do and I carry her work ethic and her thirst for knowledge and, you know, the way that she was with people, I carry that into everything I do. So that inspires me daily. But I also will give, it's not credit, but I will give a nod to the grief was unparalleled in uh, making you superhuman. Like it has to come out somewhere, I think. And at that particular time, when I was having to make these big decisions about my work, I was doing so with like grief blinkers on. So Mm -hmm. I so much so didn't want to embrace the reality of a life without mum that I just went 100% into opening the store, opening the business, travelling overseas and sourcing pieces from places I would have never have sourced. You know, that really, it's like an internal motor that you actually want to really shut off but you can't. But do you think like you were your biggest supporter? Well, that's kind of what, yeah, yeah, I have to also acknowledge that like I will forever tell you that it is everything else but myself. Yeah. But if if I go back and look at it, it was me. Like I'm I'm the person that drives baby anything. So I guess one day, you know, I will give myself the this credit. Could be the day. This could be it. This you know, could be the and opportunity. say like, there's something in me. There is a fire. Yeah. That, you know, it burns, and it's a passion, and it's a creative spirit that almost feels like it's not. It's it's not of me. You know, like there is something inside of me that has a message to communicate, and it comes out through designing pieces, you know, and it's so nice that that part comes out effortlessly, but it's the hard work and the devotion that is like, that's the work I do for this inspiration. You know, like I actually get down and I lay the floors and I put the money down that I don't have. And I take these huge risks because I just can't not, like if it's presented to me, then I'm like, okay, like let's do this challenge because you've got the creative spirit behind you. Unfortunately, you just need the logistics to come into. But I found that I do it. You know, like well, you things make are it presented happen. to me. Yeah. And then I do it. And I do credit like mom and you and all the other things as well. But at the end of the day, I am proud of this beautiful vessel that I have um, that actually lets me bring it to life. Yeah. And I mean, you touched on hard work before. I'd love to know some of the unseen sacrifices that that you've had to go through to make it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess when you own your own business and listening to all the other people on your podcast too, it's such a common theme. But sacrifice is just par for the course. And my business has consumed my life. Um, That's both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, It helps what you do what you love because it can be a really wonderful distraction but the years of being a sole trader has definitely taken its toll. I've experienced incredible burnout and I'm only learning now that the business needs to work around my life, not my life around the business. So that is such a huge thing that I've only just really embraced and given myself permission to like get a studio so that I might 
work there and like think about where I would actually like to And you've live. done a lot of personal growth to get there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think you've also got to just explain that you invested a lot in being able to get to this place. Yeah, Do you absolutely. know what I mean? And I think people don't realize that. And I would love for you just to talk about that for a minute because that in itself is sacrifice. You know what oh, I mean? Absolutely. Like I know what you've gone through, but you've had to work on you to be able to go. There is a line. Yes, exactly. And I feel like I was so comfortable throwing myself like headfirst into crazy things because it was work. So I was like, okay, like I, you know, I'm not the biggest like fan of flying, but suddenly I found myself flying to other countries to go to trade shows completely solo and, you know, flying through hurricanes and like all the things that I would never do, I did for baby anything, but I wouldn't necessarily do that for myself, which is such a strange dichotomy that, you know, anything for the business, I'm going to give it 110%. When it's for myself, I'm like, oh, maybe I can't take that holiday now because it's Christmas trade or you know, like I was really, really sick like two years ago and I still found myself at work every single day like at Christmas trade because I was like, (laughs) no, there's no time for rest and even you were like, take a rest and even my staff were like, go home. But there was something in me that just drove me to push, push, push and that's not sustainable. So I feel like it did take me up until this point and I went, you know, I went to I've done like Vedic meditation. I've gone to India. I've tried to like find all these pathways to really like. You did the Hoffman as well. We had Jen yeah. Akin on and Jen yeah, is a big right. advocate for the Hoffman. Yes. You, you also did yeah, that, so which is an intense. That, yeah, knowing that her and her husband had done the Hoffman and she just said it was such a life-changing process if you are ready for change. So I felt like 18 months ago that I was stuck. I was just sort of like working on the business and relatively happy with that, but not necessarily where I wanted to be in the rest of life. So I feel like also I had to acknowledge that the fact that, um, you know, what we'd gone through in our personal circumstances, that took five years from your life. So where I am now is not necessarily where I wanted to be at that age. So I had to look at what can I do, you know, to kind of come to peace with where I am now? And then also just really to get back into my element and see what a powerful person I was and how much I'd accomplished and what joy there is in life if you can take it sort of thing. So yeah, I did. I went to the Hoffman Which is in a Byron sacrifice because you don't is, get to talk for a week. My gosh, it's like, <laughs> it's a process. So that in itself is a big sacrifice for, because for people that aren't familiar with the process, you actually don't get to talk to anybody from the outside world for five no, days. For seven. seven yeah, sorry. so you go in for seven days. Um, There's, you know, one in, it was in Byron Bay, which is fine because that's my spirit Happy home, place. so I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, you do go in with a small group for seven days and you just unpack life, I guess, and then you make a plan for what's going forward. And that really gave me clarity to say, okay, like I'm I'm going down this route with the business and maybe anything will be really successful, but what about Lucy Ferguson? So, you know, will Lucy Ferguson get all the things that yeah. she wants from life? And so that was a really nice reset. And I feel like I came out of it like guns blazing with what I wanted for life. And it's really hard to then go back into a business straight away because management is a massive part of what I do with my business because we're still quite a small business. So you just have to learn to keep separating yourself 
from the management role and your staff. So you just have to keep coming back to like, what is my North Star? You know, like what is what is my journey? What's going to make me happy as well as make my staff and the company and now Baby Anything community happy? So that's still very much a work in progress, but it's nice to know that I am on, you know, a different path where I might keep putting myself forward as well as the business needs. But I think it's also nice to share because I think the business excels. You know what I mean? Like you've had some huge names wear the brand, like Gigi Hadid. Yeah, Hayley Bieber. Hayley Bieber, Maeve Riley. Yeah. I so mean, like, all these it girls. Oh, 100%. And like with the store, like Alana Morissette pulled up to my store in Paddington and like knocked on the door. We were actually having a lunch break, if you can imagine, <laughs> knocked on the door and said that her, she had a feeling, she was here for concerts. She was being driven by a chauffeur. She told the chauffeur to stop. And she said, I had a feeling I needed to come into this store. Like, wow. And she bought so much of my jewelry. She's such an incredible jewelry fan. But she waited until I, I was actually picking up a diamond from our diamond dealer. And so I wasn't there. And my staff member texted me and was like, oh, my God, Alanis Morissette is here. She wants to meet you because she wants wow. to meet who has touched this jewelry wow. and who has given this feeling to this space. So she's like, get back here right away. So I did, but I was so nervous that I hid in the back of my store for a while until Alanis herself actually came out and was like, held my hands and said, like, you've created like these amazing pieces. You should be so proud. And that was like crazy so like but you've also got had people that shop with you I mean I'm I'm not big noting you but yeah. I find it amazing when people find you on social media like yeah. a certain coyote ugly star <laughs> yeah that yeah beautifully in rhymes like we we just get like orders come through from people that I just can't even mention and I also don't mention it yeah. to our social media because I feel like that's part of the specialness of it you know like these people could buy anything and they buy baby anything and like Hayley Bieber coming into our store and it being this huge paparazzi store like that was just out of this world incredible you know like when you went to Kim Kardashian's um house and wore all baby anything and then it just blew up like our website she was obsessed she was obsessed with like so you know how can I how can I top that but I have to say that I get just as much of a kick when I see it on people like in real life, when I see them wearing baby anything and they DM me and say how special it is, it's just as amazing as when like at Christmas time, Miley Cyrus chose to wear our Aurora Luna medallion every day while she was in Australia. And all the paparazzi picked it up and kept talking about the gold necklace that was made by a Sydney jeweler that she wore every day while she was in Australia. So like massive pinch me moments like it's it's all worth it in the end so there's some super highs but do you ever have points where you're kind of like I should give up I should quit a lot of people call it imposter syndrome do you ever have those moments yeah absolutely um like on the daily that's a small answer yeah yes I never like I would never consider quitting as I feel like I've got such a passion for what I create and a unique perspective on the world. And so I feel like I'm driven to continue because of that. But because I am the person that, you know, we're not, we're a small business. I was a sole trader for so long because I am the only person making decisions in the brand. 
that's where I feel like the imposter syndrome creeps in because I don't really have anyone that I don't have a mentor. I wish I did. Um, you know, I have a, a staff member that I've only had for 18 months who is just beautiful, who I do bounce ideas off now, but I didn't have that before. And still it's my risk. It's my reward as well, but it's me who everything will fall on if it goes wrong. So constantly I do find myself looking at other brands who might have two people at the head or a business partner, you know, or they're a relationship that has started a brand together. And I I look at them and I think like, okay, well, you guys, the risk is mitigated because there's two. For me, it's like, am I making this decision? Am I making the right decision? Yeah. So I feel like it comes down to the risk and then being brave enough to actually say like, okay, Lucy, like you've got to jump on this one again. Yeah. And we've just got to see what happens. And, you know, 99.9% of the time it's worked, but it's been really scary to like take all that risk on as an individual and also, you know, travel to other countries by myself, like yeah. do all the sourcing by myself, um, buy the big diamonds by myself, you know, all of that I've done. And thank God we went to a drama high school, I have to say, <laughs> because I've really had to call on my acting skills Something when I've been in those the situations. Daily. <laughs> you know, to get me through. So, um, but yeah, I definitely feel like I have have experienced that. So I would love to know where you draw inspiration from for Baby Anything. So I guess I would always think that I get it from my mum, you know, like she was a 70s, like surf and city goddess. So I do often look back at pictures of her and I think like, what would have she worn with that outfit if it was jewellery. So that's just something that's innately comes out in my design process, even if I don't think it does. Then it's like I'm a music and movie like fiend. So I do have my favourites, like Almost Famous and Romeo and Juliet. I often take the characters that I'm obsessed with in those movies and think also like what jewellery would I put on them. Um, but I recently listened to a podcast with Elizabeth Gilbert and she was talking about inspiration as being quite a heavy subject for a creative to draw from. So instead, she invited us to think about curiosity as the thing that we should be entertaining as creatives. And that, I have to say, has lit such a fire in me where I feel like it has taken the pressure off me to think like, oh, what am I inspired by? You know, like we yeah. we went to the Hilma AF Clint exhibition at the Art Gallery in New South Wales, and that also opened a flower of creativity in me. So that, I feel like, inspired me to be curious and keep doing things that I necessarily didn't think I would draw inspiration from, but it definitely flicked a switch in me and went like, okay, go and do the things that you're interested in and then the inspiration will flow from there. Oh, and it's flowing. I got a sneak peek of the next it range. Flowing. It's flowing. <laughs> so... I want to know the answer to this question. What is next and what are you working towards as a greater dream goal? So it's very exciting because we actually just expanded our studio space to include more space for a new workshop. Yay, this so is huge. It's huge. Like I will finally have yeah. a space where I can work alongside another master jeweller and we can just hands-on get dirty and create more beautiful baby anything pieces in also the bespoke ceremonial range, which I've had to keep quite capped just because of time and resources. So I'm really going to be able to let 
that part of the business thrive and give it the creativity that it deserves. You know, like stones and diamonds and gold and the alchemy part of my business just excites me so much. So I finally got the space to do that. My dream is to have like a team of, you know, expert jewelers working alongside me, you know, a generous, happy, beautiful workshop where everybody can be creative, but also everybody can be really inspired to work for a business that has a great workplace culture. So that's kind of the big dream. You know, I would also like to be able to travel more and not have to be just the only person working on that side of the business. So it's exciting for me to see like a little step towards that goal of having a bigger team would mean that I could be able to, you know, really live my life as well as thrive in the business. So that is like so exciting. Short term, we have some incredible bespoke pieces that are coming out before Christmas that I just can't wait to share with everybody that have really been what I was working on in COVID where I could actually just create, create for creating. And they've been really beautiful to see, like come to life, just ideas that have been swirling around in my head. They're now ready and Elle has tried on all of them and she's like, let me buy this, let me buy this. So I feel like that's a really good sign for what's coming. They definitely have my tick of approval. I literally want them all. I feel like I always go to you for advice and a lot of people listen to this podcast for advice when they're either thinking about taking a leap of faith into something new or they're starting a new career journey or they just want to try to achieve success. I would love to know from you what advice you would give to somebody. So I feel like the more that I look at my own journey, if there's something inside of you like a fire that is sparked by something like bringing an original idea forward or creating a product, then that passion fuels you like nothing else I've ever experienced. It's like an addiction when you want to succeed and you do start to succeed. It's just like a constant motion forward. So I feel like if you pair that with hard work, then there's it's limitless where you can go. But I feel like you really do need to do the day-to-day and make the sacrifices because it's not it's not all roses, you know, when you do it, but it's so rewarding when you do. So I feel like if you have a unique perspective on something and you also have a strong brand ethos behind your brand, you know, like I know that I want to bring objects of meaning into people's lives. And so that's what drives me to continuously design. So I feel like if you can really hone in when you're working in the business about what your unique perspective is and what you want to bring to people. And is that sustainable? Is that like ethical? Is that going to bring something better to the world? If it is, then nothing will stop you because you have like a higher purpose to to continue. So, you know, look for that purpose and then you're constantly fulfilled because like every that. day you work in your business, you're fulfilling your purpose. So you're like, I'm actually, I'm on the right track. And so then it helps you with the hard slog, you know, that devotional hard work. It helps you do the hard work because you know at the end of the day that you love what you're doing and you're like so lucky to be able to be bringing something new to the world. How exciting. I love that. So I just have to ask my last question. 
baby anything. Where does the name come from? Ah, oh, the name. Isn't it a great name? <laughs> it's a very good name. Hence why I am asking because my brand name had to involve my own name. So your brand name is amazing. So it's really lucky because it's actually like it's a made up word. So in terms of like SEO and search engine <laughs> things, I just got really lucky because we're the first ones that come up. But it actually came from a past boyfriend you know, he was a musician, so he was a lyricist. So he was, we, we had a great time together because we both were very wordy. Yes. But in one particular um, moment, he said to me, like, baby, I'll do anything for you. And it just stuck. And both yeah. of us sort of looked at each other. And it was really funny because he was like, was that something? And I was like, I think that was something. <laughs> and then he was like, baby, anything. And then I was like, that's the business. Wow. That's the business. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah. And even though we're not together anymore, it's such a beautiful memory that I have mm -hmm. of that time as well because it was like pure love in that moment and that's the sentiment that I want to pass on to people. It's like when you buy someone jewellery, it's an intimate gift, even if it's a friend. Yeah. Like you can say to a friend like, baby, I'll do anything for you. You know, like there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. It's that, it's that sentiment that goes along with it and I think – it's just so us. It's so you. Like, There's it's no just, other I couldn't word. think of any it other word. It also makes you smile when I say it, which yeah, is always nice. Yeah, exactly. So yay. Yay, yeah. baby anything. Yay, baby anything. Well, Lucy Ferguson, Ella my Ferguson. little baby sister who I adore so much, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think a lot of people see the brand but don't necessarily see you as much. And I think it's an incredible story to have been told and inspire other people. And there's something that I've learned about you in the last 18 months is that you are a true creative. There are people that I think float through life That's as so creatives. Nice. And then there are people like mom yeah. that are creatives and you are to your core a creative, but mm. you've turned it into a very successful business. So mm. congratulations. Well, that's the best compliment. Thank you so much for having me. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson. Producer, Tina Matalov. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.